Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas. Here's Culture Map Food Editor, Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map Food Editor, Eric Sandler. I have Ellen Chen and Mario Del Perro from Mendocino Farms coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. He is a passionate advocate for the Houston food scene and a good friend. Matt Harris, welcome back to the show. How are you? A little bit sleepy today, sir. I don't have time for that. We got to move, man. We got a lot to talk about. I'm awake now. All right. News of the week. Topic number one. Chinatown favorite Crawfish Cafe is coming to the heights. They have signed on to be the anchor tenant at Braun Enterprises Shepherd Row Project at 1002 North Shepherd. That's right across the street from the Kroger at Shepherd and 11th. Matt. Viet Cajun crawfish has been a phenomenon across Houston over the last five plus years. There's very little of it inside the loop. So having crawfish cafe in the Heights seems like a good thing to me. What do you think? Is there such thing as a crawfish dance? I mean, there could be, you could invent one, but it's a podcast and no one would be able to see you do it. Well, let's just say that I'm doing a crawfish dance. Are you a crawfish cafe fan? I am. I have to admit, I've never been. Been a few times. It, it's on the rotation. Uh, yeah, this is one of those. I mean, they're kind of old school. Like, this is kind of one of the first restaurants that kind of jumped on this trend. And I had someone ask me, what is Viet Cajun crawfish? So for anyone who's listening that's wondering, it's crawfish that's boiled like regular Cajun crawfish and then tossed in a buttery sauce afterwards that is very addictive in particular, Crawfish Cafe, known for its garlic butter flavor. Mm, yum. What else do you get when you go to Crawfish Cafe? Uh, it depends on, I mean, the crawfish is a, the star. It depends on what I'm in the mood for. Yeah, they do, they do other kinds of boiled seafood. They do fried seafood. They do turkey necks, chicken wings. Turkey necks is fried is rice. Way up there. Yeah. Do not sleep on the turkey neck. Eat the turkey neck. Eat the turkey neck. Yeah, I was thinking as I was as I was writing this article and sort of thinking about it, there's a lot of places for traditional Cajun-style crawfish in the Heights. Boyle House, The Boot, which, yes, I know technically is in Shady Acres. Don't argue with me. Oh, here uh, come the pedantics here come, again. Here come the neighborhood, here come the neighborhood protests. But, you know, the one of the most popular locations of BB's Cafe is, is in the Heights. So, And there's... You know, bars like Eight Row Flint that'll do crawfish occasionally in season. Uh, La Lucha did a brisk business in crawfish in the spring, but no Viet Cajun crawfish. This is, I mean, to quote our good friend Linda Salinas, this is going to crush. Uh, well, I, I would say per capita, this is 
I'm going to go scientific here. Per capita, the heights would only be second to Chinatown in crawfish consumption. I think that may be right. Yeah. No, it's scientific, Daddy. It's right. <laughs> you've done all the demographic studies. You've, <laughs> you've, you've spoken <laughs> with seafood purveyors about their various sales. That methodology has been well vetted. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know that there's much more to say about this other than that it's happening. And if fingers crossed, if all goes according to plan, they'll be open right around February 1st, which is just in time for crawfish season. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, it's a smart move. It's a smart move by Braun. It's a smart move by Crawfish Cafe. Um, so not to steal a line. I forget where I heard it, but I think Crawfish Cafe will crush as the saying goes. Well said. All right. Topic number two, the Rustic, the restaurant, bar, and concert venue that opened in downtown last fall, already has plans to open a second location. They are coming to Uptown Park. Uh, I always make jokes about the worst-kept secret in Houston food. This might have been it. These, uh, these plans have been kind of in the works for several months, but they hadn't, they hadn't made it official until... Last week, this is uh, Free Range Concepts. They're based out of Dallas. They have the general public. They have Bowl and Barrel. And for the Rustic, they partnered with Pat Green, the Texas country music legend that if if you're like me and you went to college in Texas in the night, well, I didn't go to college in Texas, but I went to college in the 90s and I lived in Texas, uh, Pat Green is very important to you. If you're If you're younger than that, if you're under 30, you probably have, no idea who Pat Green is. Oh, intern Mary loves Pat Green. You're the youngest person I know who's heard of Pat Green. Anyway, have you been? I I know this is silly. You're not you're not a big you're not a big drinker. But have you been to the Rustic? I have. What did you think? Because I I I actually think it's kind of an impressive operation. Uh, no, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, been on two occasions. Uh, and yeah, both times is like, all right, I get it. Like, and you know, it's pretty slick setup. Uh, the food is above average. Yeah. It's better than you sort of expect it to be yeah. right. Kind of Texas comfort food. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just got a vibe that I think resonates well. It's, I don't know if they have a second location in, in other cities. They don't Houston will be. So there's one in Dallas and one in right. San Antonio. Right. Uh, and they both opened before the Houston. Houston will be the first city with two rustics. Yeah, I know that Champs is a huge space. So it's, it's just trying to sort of play over in my mind how that the aesthetic for what's in downtown fits with what's in uptown. Yeah, they said groundbreaking. So I suspect a lot of that Champs stuff is going to go away. And there's also, there's a bunch of other little storefronts that were kind of next to Champs that have also closed. So all of that, it's going to be 27,000 square feet when it's all said and done, which is absolutely massive. I don't really think the downtown and uptown park locations will will pull from each other. I mean, I, I feel like they have, you know, they're both heavy tourist areas, right? Lots of hotels in both in both parts of the city. And... You know, if there's a concert at, at Rustic Downtown, there can be a concert at Rustic Uptown Park on the same night, and I think they will both draw big audiences. 
Now, I, I think I, if I were the owner of Kirby Ice House, I might be a little bit nervous because I feel like the Rustic is maybe like a bigger, better, slicker version of that. Well, that's that's where the under 30 crowd goes. Yeah. So. So over 30 to the Rustic, under 30 to Kirby Ice House. Right, right, which is obviously you find me at Kirby Ice House. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Looking. <laughs> Mar- Mary's laughing for the record. Yeah. As as well she should. <laughs> People who don't know what you look like can can follow you on Instagram at that guy Houston to see a picture of you. Um, all right. But, but I, yeah, is, I did, sorry, just sorry. But I, I think that is yeah. Th- clearly, they have identified there is a significant population center that is west of six ten. That I think that they're going to cater to people uh, in Katy area Memorial. Like I don't have to go downtown, and right? I, can... I don't have to deal with downtown parking. Yeah, um, I. They're going to be all about that. And then the other thing is, Uptown Park is undergoing a series of renovations. Right, Flower Child came in. Uh, Mendocino Farms is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, McCormick and Schmicks renovated and became M and S Seafood. Uptown Park Sushi or Up Uptown Sushi uh, remodeled. J. Alexander's is opening in the old Anejo space. A lot of changes going on over there. This probably the biggest and most prominent one. Uh, although there is a really fun rumor about, man, how can I do this as a blind item in the podcast? I, a prominent Houston restaurant group has their eyes on a space that is currently occupied, but might not be for much longer. By another prominent Houston restaurant group. By a well-known Houston restaurant. So if that well-known Houston restaurant should suddenly close in Uptown Park, then, who boy, the rumors that are swirling about this prominent Houston restaurant group's plans might just be true. So that is your bonus blind item in the middle of the news of the week. So all of you who didn't fast forward through this, you are rewarded. All right. Topic number three, Mark Holly has a new job. The chef, former chef of Pesce and Holly's in Midtown is taking over Davis Street at Herman Park. This is the uh, very popular restaurant that has been closed for a couple of years. It closed right after the Super Bowl and has stayed that way, but it's coming back with a mixture of some of the Davis Street dishes, like they were really known for their crispy Thai shrimp and their sliders. That's coming back along with, you know, Mark Holly, very well known for his seafood preparations, uh, whole fish, ceviches, all that. That's all coming. And probably his very famous uh, fried chicken Sunday suppers. I mean, I have very good memories of going to Pesce High School, college with my family for special occasions. It was one of my father's favorite restaurants. So I am a Mark Holly fan, and I'm excited to see him return after Holly's kind of closed after Hurricane Harvey under uh, sad circumstances. Uh, what about you? Where are you on uh, Mark Holly? Absolutely, yeah. A long, a, a long list uh, of uh, of good memories. I'm gonna and have to have him on the show. I think that'd be a great call. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. I mean, a fan of his food and a fan of him. Yeah, just one of the most sort of charming, warm, engaging culinary personalities in Houston. Glad to see him get another shot. And, you know, let's 
be honest, in, in Third Ward in a community that I think will really embrace him, you know, maybe in a way that people didn't in Midtown, um, in a space that's maybe a little bit more conducive to his style of food. I agreed. And I, I will certainly be there. Yes, I will too. Look for that coming this fall. All right. I'm, I'm rushing through the news of the week, Matt, because we have three restaurants to talk about for the restaurants of the week. So stick around for that. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Matt, for our restaurants of the week segment, I want to do something I don't think we've ever done on this show, which is talk about three restaurants. Stop the presses. Daddy. All right. So we're going we're gonna to try to move here. I want to start with Silito Cafe. This is a new Mexican breakfast and lunch spot in the former Just Dinner space on Dunleavy. I mean, we had, like, I'm not usually a big vegan guy, but I had a, I had like a vegan torta, right? Like a sandwich uh, with mushrooms that I, I really enjoyed. And then we split the French toast that was excellent. Uh, I don't know. What did you think of Cielito Cafe? I had a bite of the French toast. Split maybe a little generous. Two thirds, one third. All right, go ahead. Fair enough. Sorry. Uh, Yeah, no, I I think I'm a fan. Um, Actually, I had the occasion to go back um, just for uh, just a quiet breakfast by my lonesome Um, and just like the space. It's got a really kind of nice vibe. Yeah, I remember, I mean, and obviously just dinner was dinner, so it was it was always kind of dark outside, but it's lightened and brightened. It feels kind of warm and friendly in there. Yes, yes. It's a nice renovation. Yeah, yeah. Some nice sets, uh, some juices there that were re- really enjoyable. Uh, above average coffee. Um, I thought the, the food is, is thoughtful. It's an all-day menu. Uh, I, I've yeah, I I thought maybe it was going to be a little bit tricky to open a Mexican breakfast place right down the street from La Guadalupana, which is a a mantra staple. But I think the menu is different enough that they can distinguish themselves from each other. And I like the service aspect. You wanted a certain uh, the shrimp tacos, but you wanted a different tortilla, and they made it work. They to did. their credit. They did. Uh, yes. And it was not just there. It was with the, I requested the blue corn tortilla and uh, it, the, the size of the blue corn was not really conducive to the shrimp tacos, but they did. Yeah. So, and the, and the service I find is engaging and it's just, you know, I, it, I've put it on my, my list. Hey, if you haven't been here, you should go. Yeah. I think that's, that's how I feel about it. A, a really nice, you know, it's not going to change your life necessarily, but there's never like Mexican breakfast is just one of those things people in Houston really always enjoy. So another one that's good is always welcome. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, and, and, and I think there are some other places that are trying and which I give credit for, cause I know it's, it's, it's not easy, particularly with uh, sourcing tortillas and, and other ingredients, but I think that they're trying and also succeeding. Yeah. It, if, if I wanted to get us both in trouble, I would ask you to compare it to another Mexican-themed all-day cafe that has recently opened and tell me which one you prefer, but I think maybe we'll leave that alone for today. Well, right. You, I mean, let's, let's 
It'd be Gouda if we didn't go there. Right. All right. Restaurant number two. When Mike Sammons was on the show recently, he said that the gypsy poet in Midtown serves some of the best pizza he's ever had in Houston. Matt, we didn't go there together, but we did go there separately. Do you agree with Mike Sammons? Is this some of the best Neapolitan pizza in Houston? Um, you know, that, I, I think that calls for a little more science. Um, I'm, I, I'm not sure what other places Mike has been to compare to. Uh, it was good. Uh, I, I was impressed. Uh, legit oven. Um, really good ingredients. It was, it was zero complaints. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think, you know, is it the best? No, I think I'm still a Pizarro's fan. Is it very good? Like, does the crust have flavor? Did they cook it nicely? Did it have a good char? Did I get a prosciutto and arugula with, with, you know, nice like fat in the, in the prosciutto and, and good peppery bite in the arugula? Yes. Right. I think all of those things, it's not very expensive. It's got a good vibe in the room. So I like all of those things about it. And I'm just in general, I'm pro more and better pizza options. So for all of those reasons, I, I'm excited that the gypsy poet is here. I like that they've added lunch service. That makes it a little more accessible. Uh, you know, if you're a, if you're a downtown office worker with a little, with in and out parking privileges and a little bit of time to spare, this is, this is right in the wheelhouse. Cause it's, it's in kind of the Northern end of midtown. Yeah, no, there's no, you know, I'm, I'm an avowed Pizarro's fan. Um, I think, uh, we actually went with a buddy. We went to see, the Howard Jones and Men Without Hats concert at uh, House of Blues. Um, by the way, Men Without Hats was one of the best bands I've seen this year. They were absolutely fabulous. Um, and the pizza was very good. So it was, you know, uh, the location is, you know, just kind of south. It's not quite Midtown, but it's pretty close. I mean, I don't know what you would call that if it's not Midtown. It's, it's kind of on the eastern edge. Slow hanging fruit for the neighborhood pedantics, Daddy. That's right. We'll we'll get emails. You can you can uh, you can at that guy Houston on Twitter to complain about what neighborhood Gypsy Wagon is or isn't in. If you want to make my day, please do that, please. Uh, but you'll go back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going yeah, back to you. Yeah. All right, and then restaurant number three. Really excited about this Bamboo House, a Chinese restaurant in Umbel. Got a big feature in the Houston Chronicles food section recently. My fam went up there and said it's the best Peking duck in Houston. We went there with a group. We, uh, we came loaded for bear. We were seven people. We ordered a whole duck and a whole bunch of other stuff, including honey walnut shrimp, stir-fried pea shoots, mapu tofu, uh, homemade noodles with beef. Uh, just a, a, a veritable feast. And let me say, we... We did. We feasted with leftovers for $175 for seven people plus tip, which, uh, for the record, is less than my dinner for two at Uzo Bay was a few days before that. So, if nothing else, it's good value. But I think we also had a pretty good dinner. I, I would I would raise that level up to very good. 
Yeah, I think the quality of the duck is very good. The skin was nice and crispy. It wasn't greasy. Greasy Peking duck is the worst. It ruins it for me every time. This was not that. This was very well done. Pancakes were nice and thin. The pancakes are a standout. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that kind of makes it memorable. It came with that, you know, it comes with the usual hoisin sauce, but also like a a sweet plum sauce. It's a little bit different. So it's kind of nice. It looks homemade. May not be, I don't know, but it looks homemade. And then the quality of the other dishes I thought was really good. The mapu tofu, those stir-fried pea shoots, and especially those uh, those house-made wide hand-pulled noodles stir-fried with the beef in it. Um, that dish by itself, even if the duck had been just okay and the duck was excellent, those hand-pulled noodles, I think, would be worth the drive just to try them. They, they would justify what is really not a long drive. Uh, it's very convenient to get to off of 59. It's right at the Beltway. Um, 59 North, that is. Um, but yeah, if, if, if we, uh, we need to, we need a, a camera in here so we can, you can see our facial reactions like to those hand pulled noodles. Just yeah. That like glazed over. Uh, oh man. Uh, I need that again. I will. I, I, I may have to go tonight. Actually, no, I'm going to the, the, uh, Yaki Burger uh, Champ pop up at Grand Price tonight. Yeah, that's going to be really good. Uh, not that it does people who are listening to the podcast any good, but but yes, I agree with you. That will be good. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was great. We we you know we had a, a nice group, a diverse group, some uh, some food enthusiasts uh, such as uh, the two of us, and can we say Fulmer's name? Fulmer likes it when he gets shout outs on the podcast. He listens to the show, Daddy. Michael Fulmer was in the house. Former My Table Service Person of the Year, Michael Fulmer. That's the one. That's the one. And then a couple of friends of mine who live in Humble yes. who are not maybe as adventurous and were a little bit skeptical about the duck. And even they were like, oh, yeah, this actually is really good. Yes. And then we had the pleasure of, of dining with two very well-regarded chefs. Uh, and who also had similar feelings. So yeah, I, 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 this will be in the rotation in a way that not many places outside of the 20 minute drive will be. So just if you had to choose, right. Bamboo house or 20 minutes, 59, the other way, Peking cuisine, the legendary, you're shaking your head at me. That's not even a binary discussion. Bamboo House. Bamboo House. High praise. Uh, yeah, uh, bamboo House uh, above anything uh, for the duck and for the other dishes that we had as well. And for just how, I mean, the, the whole duck was $45. It's a massive amount of food. And then really we, I think we, like I said, we spent 175 I think we actually, we ordered an extra order of shrimp and an extra order of pea shoots that we but the portions are so generous, we really didn't need them. So we could have gotten out for like 150 Yes. I mean, yeah, it's it's bonkers how reasonable that is. And the place, just the quality and the, you know, service a little hinky, right? Like like going to any restaurant in Chinatown, it's always always a little bit of a language barrier, always or the, you know, Western expectations regarding service, maybe not 100% realistic. But very friendly, very accommodating. And right. once you once we ordered the food, it came out very quickly. 
but well and helpful in other ways too um so yeah there was just a little bit of a lag there trying to get the bill so yeah but you know i just i just imagine myself somewhere in europe somewhere where that's how things how they do things all right matt thank you very much thank you i'll be right back with the owners of mendocino farms stick around you're listening to what's eric eating I'm joined this week by Mario Del Perro and Ellen Chen, the co-founders of Mendocino Farms, the California-based sandwich and salad restaurant that just opened in Rice Village. I'm going to introduce you guys individually so people can hear your voices. Mario, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, Eric, really good. Thanks for having us. Ellen, thank you for being here. I am doing great and very excited to be here, and thank you for having us today. Yes. Well, I'm very excited to have you guys. There's been a lot of talk about Mendocino Farms. I think there's a lot of excitement building about the restaurant. I always like to start these interviews at the beginning. So, I mean, you guys are, are husband and wife. So, did you did you start dating first, or did you go into business first? Like, what what came first? We dated very briefly before we actually started going. Before we started working together, I'm pretty so, sure Ellen was dating other guys at the time. I think it went both <laughs> ways. Though. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, casual. so how did you decide to go into business together? Uh, so uh, I, I do pride myself on being um, pretty creative and it definitely uh, come from the restaurant business. So I've been around ops a lot um, and had actually created uh, one of my first restaurant concepts and it had owned it for a few years um, with uh, okay success sometimes like, you know, I'd grown it to uh, to two stores. So I was a link. I wasn't a chain yet. And, um, and just in a couple dates with Ellen and, and kind of picking her brain and her being kind of a business consultant, I'm like, Hey, I got a business for you to consult on. Would you ever want to come check out, uh, uh Mendocino farms and see what we're doing? And she, uh, was very, seemed excited. I've, you know what? I've always been passionate about the restaurant industry. I've never worked in it, but as a consultant, you got to see a lot of different industries and I was taking time off. Um, it was during the tech boom and the company I worked for had gotten acquired. The first tech boom, just to the first give one, yeah, yeah. You, in the nineties, right? <laughs> yeah. You have like a whole startup background, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was great because I got to see what it was like to really be a part of something from ground up with Mario, and just love the fact that the product is just like in front of the guest, and you were able to change. You know, you can make someone really happy one day, or you can really piss someone off, and you can actually kind of tweak <laughs> what you're working <laughs> yeah. on to um, make it right. So that's when I said to Mario, you know what? Do you want a business partner? Do you want some money? We can scale that restaurant. And and just like any good restaurant tour, uh, I always need money. So, uh, so yes, free labor, uh, but, uh, but you know, I, I, I joke and, but I'm really serious about it. I, I always say I was, um, I was in restaurants until I met Ellen and then I became in the restaurant business. And I think it's been a really good partnership. We're 17 years in, by the way. Yeah, so that's not messing uh, around. No, we've been, no. Uh, we've been, we've been a, a definitely a yin and yang, and um, you know, it's that was we ended up selling that business that she first invested in, and, and with that, we decided to want to do something more special, and we thought that was more relevant, and that was the creation of Mendocino Farms. Yeah. yeah so let's let's talk about kind of the starting of Mendocino Farms. What what kind of inspired that direction? Because it just seems like there's a lot of places to get a sandwich. 
Yeah, you know, I think there's a good thing and a bad thing. Like, you know, um, I, I I have huge, huge uh, respect for someone that um, that just absolutely kills it in Indian food, right? And can do a really, really busy because there's just actually just not that's not a lot in a lot of people's rotation all the time, right? Versus sandwiches, like it is massively in people's rotation. So our first business that she invested in was kind of a better for you Asian concept. And um, it would just was not in people's rotation. In fact, if I had to explain it to you, we would have to be on the 60th floor of an elevator to get the elevator pitched by the <laughs> bottom floor. Like it was that hard to explain versus what we really wanted to say was, hey, um, you know, gourmet sandwiches, gourmet salads, that's us. And it was that clean and clear. So, um, you know, Mendocino Farms really came as kind of, um, you know, us saying, hey, look, uh, let's try to create something that uh, that has a little bit more mass appeal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the time, as as good founders, you know, we we wanted to still do something that um, that took all the pieces that we were doing well with the last business. Like we had built a pretty good culture with our last company. Um, we had good training. We just didn't have a product that was had wide appeal. So that was the first that was the first piece. So I always say, like, I came from the bar business originally, which a little backstory. And, uh, and my buddy, uh, you know, in the bar business, you go like, where, where does everyone drink? Go, uh, go be on that street and then just be the best damn bar on that street. Right. And I think for us, we love, um, the idea that it's not zero sum. Like, you know, we, we love being by friends that are in the salad business. We love being by, you know, the local sandwich shop. We don't mind it at all. Cause we believe kind of this high tide or all ships rise with high tides. So. Well, yeah, and I mean, you definitely have that in Rice Village. I mean, you're mm -hmm. you're right next to Hop Dotty and Amico's Sweet Greens opening around the corner. Yeah, it's gonna be a cool place to go have lunch or dinner. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Ellen, let me let me bring this back to you, right? I think people kind of instinctively understand like cheap sandwiches, right? They can go to any number of national chain restaurants. We won't name them. They could be a sponsor at some point. So yeah, I don't, name no, we, we don't actually accept restaurants <laughs> as advertisers. Oh, okay, program, okay. So <laughs> Sorry. I'm safe there, but... <laughs> Trying to save you. But I don't want to, you know, yeah. I, people know what I'm talking about. So, but, but what like makes... Pubway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, rhymes with Shimmy uh, Sean's. Uh, Actually, we have a we have a Jersey Mike's right around the corner from here that I I do not mind at all as a, yeah. as a quick there lunch is a option. Place I actually grabbed that last week. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm I think there's the a airport. place for everybody depending on kind of what you're looking for. Okay, but so but what yeah. makes a better sandwich? Like, what yeah, is it about we, what you guys do that kind of elevates that uh, form? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So, Sorry. No, I, I think with the sandwich, it really starts with the bread, right? And so I think that was one of the first things when Mari and I were starting Mendocino Farms all the way back when was we had to find and source the right bread. I mean, that yeah. just makes the sandwich. It seems so simple, but those places that you were referencing, it's one kind of bread and then kind of the same ingredients, maybe in different variations. So for us, it was starting with finding the right okay. baker. It's actually a funny story. Remember, we almost didn't open on time. I know. So, so, uh, so LA, um, this is, mind you, this is 15 years ago. LA um, had like no good bread. So Nancy Silverton had done La Brea, which actually was like pretty good bread except for she had just sold it um, to a major conglomerate out of like Ireland. So they were mass scaling it. Um, at that time also, uh, El Fornaio, which is a chain of kind of upscale Italian restaurants, was doing some pretty good bread and they'd overbuilt their commissary. So they were trying, but still was pretty mass produced. 
So we're like, how can we not find a good local baker? We're both from Northern California, and there's some pretty oh, yeah, good yeah. bread. Some of the best bread there. in the country. Yeah. We got some good bread yeah. where we come yeah. from, right? You know, you got the apnees. And so anyway, so we couldn't find good bread. So we were freaking out because we were two weeks before opening. We had designed all the sandwiches, but we had a placeholder. Like, the whole thing is it starts with this great bread. So, uh, so uh, we were lucky enough. There was a little chef bookstore on 3rd Street, which is kind of... Third Street and Beverly are these like very it's restaurant cool area. restaurant <laughs> rows, right? And the this this uh, lady had opened a small little chef bookstore, right? It's a tiny hole in the wall, and um, and this is probably one of the most creepy things I've done. And by the way, I've done a bunch of creepy things. This this might be the creepiest. I literally go to the chef bookstore, and I'm like wandering around looking like I'm looking for a thing, but I'm waiting for chefs to come in to go, hey, where? What have you heard? Where do you like to go get bread? I just was trying to like strike conversations. And in fact, uh, these young sous chefs are like, you'll never believe it. Eric Kaiser from France is coming into town and he's doing a boutique bread shop just down the street. You should go check it out. So I went to the construction site and there's the man himself, Eric Kaiser from France, um, uh, and walked up to him. And the concept was bread bar, which is now you know, pretty popular, you know, kind of deal. And we were his first wholesale account. So it was kind of cool. So, uh, yeah. so we opened two weeks later with bread bar, Brad. Sweet. And it yeah. was, uh, yeah. So that was the start. And, and now we, you know, we continue to find great bakers. So here in the Houston market, we're working with Slodo. Oh, sure. He's doing our bread. Yeah. Awesome. Great guy. Yeah. Heath really, is a great guy. Oh, They've yeah. been really great to work really with. Really great to work with. So, yeah, starting with the bread. Uh, yeah. I think that was the most important thing. And then for us, too, from a chef-driven standpoint, is taking chef-driven products and then kind of deconstruction, deconstructing them and then putting them back in the sandwich format. And for us, I think that was the real differentiator between, again, the Pubways and the Chimichons. <laughs> <laughs> so, well done. Well done. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, it, you know, there, there's just there's a chef approach that you take. Yeah. Like, we make all of our spreads from scratch. We make our salad dressings from scratch. We and pickle the, our own... Uh, Make our own pickles unless uh, for a little while there's a, there was a chef uh, in L.A., um, uh, Bruce Coleman. Bruce, who's just a great dude, he opened a pickle-making company. So we had him making our you know, pickles as good as we make them. So uh, you know, we, you know, we're, we're doing it all from scratch. Mm -hmm. So you really have kind of a, a fine-dining approach um, you know, to those sandwiches. So Yeah, and you, I, when we met last week, I mean, you were saying – You've collaborated with a number of chefs kind of yeah, over the... Yeah, So we've done everything from um, collaborations for uh, chef charity sandwiches to raise money for whatever the chef's charity is, all the way to uh, we've now been this um, kind of known stopping zone. So if a chef is in between gigs, uh, they can give us a call and we'll give them either a two-day, a two-week, or a two-month uh, project for them to work with yeah. our culinary team on. It's actually created some... Some of our most amazing things have come out of those uh, collaborations. Uh, those collaborations. Yeah. So uh, I was telling you the um, I brought it. The Peruvian steak sandwich has a has an ahi amarillo, but basically what we gave this guy Josh Smith uh, Bordeaux brasserie. If you're ever in Vegas, um, I believe Cosmo Aria Aria, um, awesome brasserie. Guy's an unbelievably great chef. Um, I usually rate chefs on both their food and how good their sleeve tattoos are. He's okay. got one of the best sleeve tattoos ever. Um, but, uh, but Josh, amazing guy. And we basically said, Hey, come up with a Latin Sriracha. And he came back and this electric yellow from the Ahi Amarillo pepper from Peru. 
and um, and you know it's got a little bit of the stank from the fish sauce that mellows with the sugars with the medium heat. It's uh, probably one of the most craveable sauces that you'll ever try, and that that really kind of set the idea of creating a, a Peruvian style sandwich. So yeah. yeah, no, it's been fun, and here in Houston, we're collaborating with Chef Chris Shepard. Um, on a charity sandwich for Southern Smoke, and uh, it'll be really fun to see how that takes off. Here yeah, in bacon, yeah. sausage, slaw, yeah. buttermilk yep. dressing. Just, I mean, yeah. just here, just saying bacon sausage makes you smile. You're yeah. a bad person if you don't smile saying yeah. that. No, he's gone a long way with. Well, uh, uh, he's gone a long way with a whole bunch of dishes, but yeah, that bacon sausage is a it's winner. Pretty for sure. phenomenal. Just, and, and by the way, like the whole, you know, it comes it's such a great story. It's it's the whole, you know, his whole uh, real chef mentality of of whole animal slaughter. And how do I like just not buy, you know, the belly, but how can I actually have like a bacon, but, but um, still be able to have an, you know, using a lot of the other parts, right? So this idea of putting it in a sausage, smoking the sausage, shaving it, we caramelize it on the griddle. And then he's using that, um, we're calling it a wedge slaw, but it's really, you know, the inspiration is from yeah, it's his slab, slab salad his slab James. slaw yeah. from Georgia James. Oh yeah. It's yeah. good. And we take no credit because it's all, uh, Chef Chris and his sous chef, Nick's a superstar. So uh, Nick, huge shout out to Nick if you're listening. (laughs) All right. So you, uh, you guys have, you guys have had good food and you've also had like good business. You have uh, Whole Foods has been one of your investors. And then, all right, if I'm, if I look this up right. TPG Growth, yeah, yeah, a private equity firm. You can always mess up the private equity group's name. That's not a big deal. Um, well, I mean, Ellen you got push me. Presumably, yeah. presumably, you got yeah, they're, they're, good partners. they're the ones that make things happen. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how has so how have those investments kind of shaped the direction of your growth and and kind of building this business? I think it's been interesting because it's really forced us to look at the business in a different way. I think for especially founders, um, you know, we want to be creative, we want to keep pushing, which I think is great. Um, but for us, they've really been able to give us the capital to continue to grow and build a really great team and infrastructure for us. Um, and then we're able to touch more neighborhoods because of that. So it's been, um, you know, there's always uh, challenges, but it's been really good for us as a growth company to have them on board. I think, you know, look, um, you know, we've spent a lot of time, you know, studying brands and, and, and when they scaled that they got watered down. Um, and yeah, I, think I mean, the all of Texas you, is having like a freak out because <laughs> Whataburger just got bought, right? Yes. Right? Yeah, that's Very right. Very nervous like, like, about the role they, of private equity. What if they go and change the, the yeah. grind on the meat to yeah. save like a few pennies that they right. think are and worth a hundred or a million dollars? Who knows? So like, um, you know, we, you know, we sit in front of you that I think we had really, really clear um, values and we really use those values as our filters. And, and I'm in front of you today going, the food's as good now at, um, at, you know, this, this is our 28th baby as it's better. The food's better now than it was at 21. Um, you know, we've been able to really, um, leverage our relationships with whole foods, um, leverage our relationships with some of our local vendors and suppliers, um, in a healthy way, um, to, to still bring really high quality food at a good price. That sounds very salesy. I apologize. We'll stop that. Uh, but, uh, but the foods, you know, we're, we're, we're continuing to able to invest more, in in that quality and as long as we can do that you know as two founders we're still excited to show up every day and hopefully the guests are too right yeah and you're still very much involved day to day in growing the company Mm -hmm. and and all of that. oh man Mm -hmm. you know i still like once a week taste you know for three hours you know you know uh, current food new food um you know we're both ellen are we're in the office every day i think it's more than most people would like 
Yeah. We're there. <laughs> more than our kids are like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, you know, we, we love it. Um, I think more so now because, you know, we used to, uh, uh, you know, co-run it together. And the fact that we've been able to go back to the where we're most passionate and I get to spend way more time with the culinary team. Um, and we get to get dirty, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's fun when you get to really start digging in where before I kind of, um, had to do more of a weekly drive by, um, and that's, you know, that, that didn't feel as soulful. So in the last year and a half, two years has been, uh, it's been probably the best, um, yeah. that, that we've had. Cause you know, growing a company, it's, it's like, it's so funny. Your friends that do everything else think it like the restaurant business is so sexy and you're like, they forget it's super blue collar. It's a lot of sweat. Yeah. It's a lot of tears. And it's, uh, you know, and every day it's, it's, uh, you got to show up and, and, and the audience that's coming might not have ever, you know, seen this play play out. And can you give them that same experience in a mm -hmm. consistent way? And it's, it's love, you know, but, it, but if you get excited and it's in your DNA, then it's fun to show up. And, uh, for, for a lot of my buddies that do other stuff, it's like, oh my God, you, you're better as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how did you, so you have, what about, you have about 25 locations in California. Uh, 27. 27. Yeah. 27. All right. Yeah. So what made you decide? It sounds so chainy when you say it like that. We should just like, this is, this is number, number one, one number one right now. It's the most important one. Yeah. Well, right. So what yeah. made you choose Houston for your first locations outside of California? I think one of the things, and it's been asked, you know, now for the last couple of weeks as we've been here by a lot of our guests. And, you know, one of the greatest things I think about Houston is it's such a foodie culture. And for us, that really matches our chef driven sandwiches and salad. And so right there, um, it was easy for us to go. I think this is a place that is looking for a healthier, more approachable um, restaurant, which there's a lot of great casual dining, fine dining out here. But I think in the space that we're in, um, there there's definitely a gap for us, hopefully that people will embrace. Um, but the I mean, there's great. I mean, like, I mean, I, I love local foods. There's yeah. some like great local places. We and by the way, again, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, we really need people that, um, it's not like so adventurous, but our food's approachably adventurous. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we need to find a demographic that really appreciates higher quality ingredients, you know, um, provided in a way that has a little bit of a twist. Um, and Houston, like between, you don't want to talk about diverse. I joke cause I don't actually think that Houston, I think it's the perfect example so much. So like LA or San Francisco, it's not a melting pot. It's an accepting pot. <laughs> like, you know, it, you know, you know what I mean? Melting means like I, I've completely like, you know, watered down. It's like all these great cultures that you have in one city and everyone puts all of those cultures on a pedestal. That's the kind of place where Mendo's food mm -hmm. really, you know, we have so many Asian influences. We have um, Latin influences, Latin influences um, yeah. you know, you know, to the cuisine that we really, we play better in that. And then this, the second thing is you can't f find a better city with uh, more clearly defined neighborhoods. You know, we always want to be this kind of neighborhood gathering place. And we were big in, these aren't the, you know, 1100 square feet. We're building 3000 square foot restaurants with kids corners and big patios and cornhole and foosball. And, you know, we really want it to be an environment that the neighborhood wants to hang out at uh, beer and wine licenses for mm -hmm. those of you that have my urge to have a cocktail. In the yeah. Like a pretty hearty, right. Uh, draft and bottle list from what I from what not I saw. Bad, yeah. Not bad, not yeah. bad. Yeah. No, and then we got some wine too. So yeah. if that's your fancy, so 
Um, you know, we really, uh, it helps to have these defined neighborhoods to know like kind of where to build the iconic stores. Cause then again, we're not trying to build, you know, 15 of these, you know, we wanted really like five great iconic spots in Houston and we're doing pretty good as we, yeah, you've um, already got, you've got plans for four. Uptown Park is, right. is swinging hammers right now. It's coming along. It's yeah. looking good. Uh, and that's downtown. Um, right, Houston, downtown in, in 609 one of the Main, buildings. 609 yep. Main Street. And then, uh, and then the Heights. The Heights. Yeah. Market. The market, uh, the MKT it, Heights development. Yeah. yeah. Which that's going to be really exciting to be part of that uh, development. So then the, the fifth, uh, all right, I'm going <laughs> to. Where is it? Tell <laughs> us. You tell us. All right, well, I, if I had to guess, I'd, I would say you're probably going to the Woodlands. It's the fifth. Oh, Eric, you're, not like if we're playing the warmer there. game, yeah, you, you could be pretty warm. There. You got something <laughs> if you're there. playing the warmer there's game, there's some that's other not, great neighborhoods. Oh, I mean, there's a ton of great. Yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. could go yeah, to Memorial and yeah. Katy yeah. and Sugar Land and all kinds of places. Montrose has got some like yeah, cool, Montrose, cool yeah. stuff Those going are some on. Some of the areas that we're looking at, uh, TBD. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, well, as a Montrose resident, I'm I'm okay. Although honestly, like Rice Village isn't that far. It's just the, you know, it's like. Everybody gets nervous about having to park in the garage, right? Yeah. Nobody, nobody likes the garage. Yeah, well, that's, but it's convenient. But it's you know, everybody, it's a nice garage. It's a really nice garage, and coming it's free from, for the first two it's hours. Not yeah, ding on that garage. Coming from LA to have that parking lot right behind yeah. and just being able to pull up, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and then you told me you built a, a commissary in Dallas to kind of facilitate this. So yeah. I assume Dallas is in your plans as well. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. We definitely wanted to plant the uh, the flag in Houston. Which, uh, which, uh, you know, was, you know, was the right call. And then, um, yeah, so we're, we're definitely going to put a few in Dallas and then eventually we'll put, uh, a couple in Austin. Um, but Austin will be last, um, probably to the chagrin of our, you know, whole foods friends, but, uh, you know, that's definitely it's fine with us. Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. Speaking on behalf of Houstonians, they can be last, they can be last for a change. That's totally right. Yeah. They are first a lot, huh? With with some people, I don't know why they're just not doing their research. Houston rocks. <laughs> well, it's just people think, you know. I I used to joke about, you know, um, the Top Chef contestants inevitably seem to come from Austin restaurants, and like everybody's heard of Franklin Barbecue and yeah, Uchi, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. like those were kind of the national. Yeah. So like you know, seven or eight years ago, those were kind of the national. That's true. Restaurants, right? And then, but now it's like. Chris Shepard and Justin Yu and Hugo yeah. Ortega. It's like, like they've gotten enough notoriety that like Houston is kind of, I, I think yeah. if you're thinking about like good food, good restaurant cities in Texas, like Houston may have finally eclipsed yeah. Austin as the first city you think of. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then sheer size too. Yeah. Just way bigger. So you're, you're coming to Houston. Uh, one of the things you guys really focus on is sourcing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're obviously you're, you're working with Slodo. Kind of what's what's that experience been like of identifying purveyors and, and who are some of the other people you're working with? Yeah, bless dairy maids as well, helping yeah. us out with cheese. Cause uh um, you know, at the end of the day, like one of the things that we took uh, a lot of pride in, we still do, um, and, and probably we give more of that uh more of that uh you know, credit to our guests than necessarily us. But um, you know, in Southern California, there's actually only one operating uh um goat farm. In, in all of SoCal. Um, and in fact, it's Drake Family Farms and they were actually almost uh, going out of business. So we actually have a uh, menu item. It, it, it is, we have the, the bones of the menu item on this menu, but they couldn't supply us all the way out here. 
Um, but we actually created a sandwich or sorry, a salad called Save Drake Farms. And it was actually a salad to try to sell enough goat cheese to keep them in business. So, um, so the nice thing is we've already really priced that salad to help support, you know, a hyper local, um, goat farmer. So, um, so dairy mates was able to connect us to, uh, pure luck at a drip. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great, great product. I mean, world-class. So we're actually featuring that, um, that goat cheese on our version of the save Drake farms, um, yeah. you know, salad. So when you come in, it's not Drake farms. It's, it's the guys from pure luck. So kind of, uh, kind of cool. Um, from, you know, some of the bigger things is field greens. We can be one of the largest suppliers. So we're actually right now still working with, um, whole foods has been unbelievably helpful. Um, cause we need to make sure that we're maintaining uh, quality at whole foods market or above, um, part of our, you know, agreement. Um, so we're, you know, in the next, uh, two stores, we're gonna have enough scale to actually really start, you know, you know, upping the ante on how much local, um, I will, I do want to shout out though, to, um, to two young, um, up and coming food entrepreneurs, absolutely. Uh, Jeff and Max at Cake and Bacon. Oh yeah, those I don't guys know if are you great. Know these yeah. guys? Oh, absolutely. But uh, but thank you guys for all your work. Even today, we did a giant sampling. They created some new um, dessert bars for us. So they made a pecan bar and a raspberry cobbler bar that are to die for. But uh, they actually cold called us. They heard a press release that we're coming into the Houston. Reached out to us. Told us that they were. Um, you know, beginning entrepreneurs, you know, two chefs and, uh, and, oh, and Jeff, Jeff is a hustler. I mean, he Jeff. is a, and He's dude, that's great. what it takes. Yeah. It takes some, some chutzpah. And, um, and we just, we're just so glad to be able to be giving them uh, a lot of our business as well. Yeah, so we're featuring their cookies right now in our stores and our catering. Oh, so great. it'll be a great way for us to kind of showcase their product. All right. And then, uh, before I, I bring this to a close, let me show a first time visitor, right? What's the. What are the like the two or three things you have to try on your first visit to Mendocino Farms? What do you think, E? I mean, so, go ahead, go ahead. Just this is one of my favorites. It's like the cult classic is the pork belly bon me. Yeah, um, four step braised pork belly, kind of melts in your mouth. It's been it's been candied yeah. at the end. The four step is candying it, so it's a candied melt in your mouth braised pork belly. And then I'll doesn't go the, suck. No, it does not at all. It's spicy. House-made uh, pickled daikon and yeah. carrots, some jalapenos, a little chili aioli. Done. Bold. I mean, we know a little yeah. something about banh mi sandwiches. In this yeah. I know. I yeah, know. this is the most expensive banh mi you'll have ever purchased. It's definitely <laughs> our take on it. By the way, so. anything over $8 would be the yeah. most expensive banh mi right. ever purchased. Absolutely. But this one's about 11 bucks. Um, I, I think the Peruvian steak with that ahi amarillo, I would add avocado. It's just me. Um, uh, Slodo created a really nice torta roll, um, you know, for that, uh, we do a not so fried chicken and we also do a fried chicken. So if you've got a friend, I get our, our fried chicken. I was, you know, telling you, we made a slaw. We found this old recipe for a cinnamon pickle. Um, so it's a Southern, it was an Atlantis recipe, um, from an Atlanta chef for a, for a cinnamon pickle. And we based our whole slaw around this Southern cinnamon pickle that's on our fried chicken. Um, and then we also do a not so fried chicken and that has a mustard pickle remoulade, completely different slaw. Um, and we don't fry the chicken, it's shaved roasted chicken. And then we throw basically buttermilk, um, fried buttermilk polenta in the sandwich. We break it up. So you get the crunch of a fried chicken sandwich. 
um, not nearly the calories, but it's got this great mustard pickle remoulade. And you could do it if you found a buddy. You could do a tasting, mm-hmm. which would be fun. I don't know. That's yeah. I'm 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 in for all of that. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Well, I um, I always like to wrap these interviews up with something I call the lightning round. Who? Five easy questions, five short answers. Oh, no. okay. Well, nothing's easy when you're working with my IQ, but okay. All right. Okay. Well, just say the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, okay. All right, Ellen, what is your favorite cookbook? Ooh. Gosh. I'm going to defer Lightning. to Mario. Lightning. Ad hoc. I know. That ad hoc cookbook. Ad hoc is a good answer. Yeah. That's... There you go. Ad All right. hoc. Mario, what's the first band you ever saw in concert? Oh, Foo Fighters, when they were doing those cheap Budweiser, you know, surprise concerts yeah. at the Fillmore, lost my mind. Awesome. Solid. Yeah. Ellen, how about you? You know, what is a UB40 concert in Berkeley? Wow, and you admit that. I do. I love them. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> no so, shame. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Oh, this, that's a tough one. It's a toss-up. It depends on the time of day. It's either Taco could... Bell or In-N-Out. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, man. I think, you know what, that uh, my kids have got me so addicted to that uh, spicy, crispy chicken at Jack in the Box. <laughs> I it's I don't even want to know like how they make it, but you know what? Yeah, it's a product of science. Just don't ask. Just don't ask a lot of. But questions. you know, we, but honestly, we we do uh, we we do a good amount of burgers too. So, all right. Yeah. So I usually ask my Houstonians who their favorite Houston sports figure is, but since you is, guys are is from, it Russell Westbrook? Not yet. <laughs> Russ, Russ is going to have to win some fans. The Rockets are going to have to win you some, games, win some first. games first. Uh, but. Uh, who is your who's your favorite LA sports figure, past or present? Who are we going? Well, I mean, right now, this is not helping us uh, sell because um, you know we're Dodger fans. But yeah, we, but we beat well, them, we so it's all fine. You're good with it, right? Yeah, you guys we don't smoked care. us in the, uh, yeah. in the World yeah. Series in your stadium. That it well, it did happen. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, we watched it. We were there. Um, yeah, who, who are you going to you know, go I, with? I, I'm a basketball fan. I'm going to go Lakers and Magic Johnson. Old okay. school. Okay, absolutely. Oh, Magic's so good, such too. Good He's such guy, a nice too. guy, too. Oh, man. I'm going with Magic then, too. All You're right. right. He's too good of a dude. All right. And then finally, when you go to a pizza place for the first time, what is your go-to pizza order that you use to evaluate whether it's good or not? It's actually smart. That's, I, like, the, that's like the vanilla ice yeah. cream test, right? Yeah. That's right. Go right. with the classic. It's your margarita. You know, you just got to see. It's the classic for me. It's the mozzarella tomato basil. No, I, I like got to have some stuff on it. I, I would go for like the meat lovers, whatever they think the yeah. meat lovers is. Um, I'm going to go for it and, and des- decide how much uh, nitrate they find is okay. <laughs> all right. Give us the, the website and the social media and all that from Mendocino Farms. Uh, it's MendocinoFarms.com and it's Mendocino Farms on Instagram and it's Mendocino Farms on Facebook. Yeah. All right. And if, make it if, really like, easy to find us. And if some pot farm comes up, that's not us. Uh, just move on. That's to the somebody else. Make sure it's farms with an S. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Thank, thank you, you, Eric. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at eSandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.